1: Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Monday, January 25th. I'm Nyla Budu. Here's what we're watching as this week begins, the biggest Russian national uprising facing Putin in two decades, and a historic year for the Super Bowl. But first, the difficult path to a bipartisan COVID relief bill is today's one big thing. President Joe Biden has called his $1.9 trillion COVID relief package his top priority. And to that end, he had a key bipartisan group of senators meet with White House officials yesterday. Elena Axios is White House and congressional reporter, and she's here to tell us what she heard out of that meeting and what she's watching in Congress this week. Good morning, Elena. Good morning, Nyla. So let's start with this bill and the idea of Congress taking up Biden's COVID relief proposal. What are, to your mind, the kind of key points of this bill?
2: Well, the plan would follow the five coronavirus relief bills that passed before it. And essentially, it's really focusing on vaccine distribution and vaccine rollout. It would also include another round of stimulus checks at $1,400, and it would also expand federal enhanced unemployment benefits to $400 per week. But really, it's focusing on vaccine distribution and rollouts. They had previously announced 100 million vaccines. They're actually looking at even expanding that number more so. And I think a lot of senators, some of which met with the White House today, are also pushing for that number to be much higher and more aggressive as they look at trying to get the American population vaccinated.
1: And the plan is to get this through the Senate with a slim majority. Bernie Sanders actually explained how they intended to do this on CNN yesterday.
3: We're going to use reconciliation, that is 50 votes in the Senate plus the vice president, to pass legislation desperately needed by working families in this country right now.
2: Alina, what's reconciliation? What does that mean? It's something that is used with spending bills. Essentially, it lets you pass something by a simple majority rather than the 60 votes that are normally needed for all other legislation. And the reason that Bernie Sanders is proposing this is because it's really hard, especially on stimulus, to get a number of Republicans on board with the bill. And so they're hoping that if you can do this by reconciliation, you only need 51 votes A lot of criticism coming from the right on this, but it is something that I think they're looking at so that they can get this done quickly and easily without needing to convince a large number of Republicans to sign on.
1: Yesterday afternoon, I mentioned that a bipartisan group of 16 senators went to the White House to talk about COVID response. They're called the Sweet 16. Elena, why are these 16 senators so important?
2: They are crucial, Nyla. Democrats have a razor-thin majority in the House and the Senate. They need Republicans to sign on to this big-time legislation. And so this group is going to really be a driver, kind of Biden's whisperer, I'd say, on the Hill about, okay, what can we agree to? What can Democrats and Republicans agree to? And how can we get any sort of legislation through? And I think that that meeting yesterday was so important because it does show that the Biden administration is looking to them in that role and knows that they're going to have to rely on this group of lawmakers to really get anything meaningful done on the Hill. What else are you watching for this week, Elena? We thought that there was going to be an impeachment trial, but it has been pushed two weeks, so it'll start in February. But the House impeachment managers will be sending that article of impeachment against the president to— the Senate tonight at 7 p.m., and senators will be sworn into the trial on Tuesday. So a lot of moving parts. And I do think that the discussion over a pandemic relief proposal will be dominating talks on the Hill and within the White House. Elena Trenaxius is White House and congressional reporter. Thanks, Elena. Thanks for having me on.
1: We'll be back in 15 seconds with understanding what's driving mass protests in Russia.
0: Welcome back to Axios Today.
1: Temperatures as low as 58 degrees below zero did not stop tens of thousands of Russians gathering in mass protests on Saturday over the arrest of opposition leader and anti-corruption advocate Alexei Navalny. More than 3,000 were arrested in protests this weekend, including Alexei's wife, Yulia. Dave Lawler is a world editor for Axios. And here to catch us up quick on all of this, Dave, there's so much backstory here. But briefly, I think people might remember Alexei Navalny because he just spent five months months in Germany, recovering from being poisoned by a nerve agent, which he blames on the Kremlin.
3: Right. So Alexei Navalny is basically Vladimir Putin's most prominent foe. And so he was basically the most prominent Russian in exile for the last five months and then decided to make a high profile return to Russia, which really set up this confrontation. So Navalny's whole message to the Russian people is you are being led by crooks and you shouldn't take it anymore. Right. And so he had this video of this billion dollar palace, as he described it, uh, which he said was owned by Vladimir Putin, a really savvy gesture by him to say, uh, hey, I might be in jail, but I can still put this message out. And it was viewed, I think we're up to 54 million times. And so this was a big test of just how influential is Navalny in Russia. But obviously, yes, his arrest and then this video that he released meant that the whole country was paying attention to this. And obviously, a whole lot of them decided to protest on Saturday.
1: How has Putin responded to all of this?
3: So Putin personally still refuses to refer to Navalny by name, but his spokesman came out and this is what he said. Few people took to the streets. Many people vote for Putin. So they're trying to say that, yeah, maybe these are the young people, but really the people of Russia are still with Putin.
1: Dave, are the people of Russia still with Putin? What do you think this moment means for advocates of freedom who are in Russia?
3: So I think we'll have a better sense of that maybe next weekend and the week after because Navalny's organization is calling for these protests to continue. I'm also watching to see what happens at his next court date, which is scheduled for February 2nd. So I think we know this is a moment because it's only once in a blue moon that, that these really large uprisings happen across Russia. It's perhaps too early to know if this is something that will sort of shake the foundations of Putin's Russia, but it's certainly something that they can no longer afford to ignore.
1: Dave Lawler is Axios's world editor,
3: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady are going to Super Bowl
1: 55. The Super Bowl is two weeks from now, and for the first time, a home team will be playing in its own stadium. I spoke with Exus' new local reporter in Tampa, Ben Montgomery, just after the Buccaneers win. Hey, Ben, welcome to Axios Today.
4: Thanks so much. Glad to be here.
1: So this is going to be Tom Brady's 10th trip to the Super Bowl. Were people in Tampa expecting this?
4: Well, I don't think anybody really did. I mean, the Bucs have been down for quite some time. This was a season with a new head coach. Everybody wondered, were the Patriots winners or was Tom Brady a winner? And I think we all have that answer now. It's Tom Brady.
1: I bet that folks in Tampa are super excited about the Super Bowl coming in two weeks.
4: So excited. Look, it's the first time that a team is playing in its own stadium in the Super Bowl. So that will be historic. We're still in pandemic times. The NFL has only allowed 22,000 fans in, 7,500 of which will be vaccinated frontline healthcare workers. So it's a limited capacity. But, yeah, everyone is stoked.
1: And as a native Floridian myself, I can say it's nice to see a story about Florida that's about something like this.
4: Oh, yeah. This is the vortex of bloodshed and sunshine and hucksterism, of course. And so once in a while, when we make the news for a good thing, everybody has reason to cheer.
1: And you will be writing about this as part of our new Tampa newsletter that also launches today. Hey, Ben, it's so good to have you with us.
4: Thank you so much.
1: Today, we're also launching a local newsletter in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. To sign up for those newsletters, visit Axios.com. That's all we've got for you today. You can reach our team at podcasts at Axios.com or find me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. And this morning, the newest episode of How It Happened, Trump's Last Stand, will be available in your podcast apps. It's Axios' new hit podcast with Jonathan Swan and his exclusive reporting on the last two months of the Trump administration. This week, the story of how a team of conspiracists took over Trump's legal team. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.